Should Christians take loans? Should we invest our money? Is it okay to make loans to family and friends? Well, that's what we're talking about today on the Sunday Sermon with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm your host, Steve Schwetz, and in just a few minutes, we're going to turn to the Old Testament book of Proverbs for our message, Endorsing a Bad Note. So while you grab your copy of God's Word and find your place, why don't you say hi to Greg Harris, the president of Through the Bible. Now, do I spy, Greg, that you happen to have brought some stuff in that bag you got there? Well, of course, it's uh, that time of the year when we bring gifts. And uh, so the gift that we, we have that I have for us to share with our listening family is some of our favorite letters from the year. And I never, ever take for granted, Steve, the extraordinary quality and quantity yeah. of of life transformation stories that we get to share and hear at Through the Bible. Yeah, and I'm excited because we're actually, I think this is the first time we've ever read, I, it's really not a letter, yeah. it's a review on Yelp. Yes, that is correct, yes. So stay tuned, we have... We have an exciting, uh, who knew? That's one of those, who knew that was going to be on on Yelp? But, yeah. but uh, here's a quote from Dr. McGee, just to kind of get us started and, and to let our newer listeners know that we're continuing a tradition that he started yes. and it was very purposeful. Dr. McGee said this, I am encouraged by letters from listeners to our Bible teaching broadcasts because they demonstrate that the word of God taken by the spirit of God can apply the blood of Christ to hearts and lives. Amen. Christ Christ died for our sins, but the Spirit of God must make that real to us. Only the Spirit of God can make the death of Christ real to you, and only the Spirit of God can make the resurrection of Christ real to you. These letters demonstrate the Spirit of God speaking to people's hearts. Yes, they do. And that's one effective way that you can pray for the ministry of Through the Bible, that the Holy Spirit would continue to use the solid teaching that Dr. McGee provides, but importantly, the Bible itself to change lives. So you can join us by becoming a World Prayer Team member, going to ttb.org forward slash pray, sign up today if you haven't. There's only about 20,000 of you on that list, (laughs) so there's room for a lot more. Yeah, Steve's got room for more on that bus, but uh, it is is a great prayer request. Thanks for calling that out, Steve, because when we say we fling the seed, we get the fact that if you've ever planted a seed— you don't do anything to put power in that seed. That yeah. power is all from God. And so the word of God is, of course, spiritual seed. Yeah. Um, but let's let's get to what you promised, which is this first Yeah, uh, Yelp review. Yes. I love the name. Yeah. Looney T from San Mateo, <laughs> California writes, I am tickled and amused that this broadcast network is on Yelp. How this found its way to my recommended list for review, I'll never know. Well, I'll tell you, I think that device (laughs) is listening to you all the time, and maybe the Holy Spirit had something to do with it, too. (laughs) This is my daily Monday through Friday crazy serious yet fun radio program with the most personable speaker who really gives grounded Bible teaching. I play his podcasts and recommend him to all my friends. When you first hear his voice an old-timey down-home country accent, but surprise, surprise, Dr. McGee was a long-term and beloved urban preacher in downtown L.A. for many years. And he is so lovable that you want to listen every day. He goes through the Bible in a five-year program cover to cover. His messages sound like the crazy world we live in today, complete with commentary on the insane politics, wacky behaviors of people, the challenging economy, overwhelming acts of greed, and warnings for our future. 
Very serious and down-to-earth, yet then surprises with tongue-in-cheek vignettes. This is just a half-hour broadcast-slash-podcast hosted every day, Monday through Friday, live by a friendly guy named Steve Sweats. It's actually Steve Sweats. <laughs> yeah, he actually like, spelled it. It was a phonetic <laughs> spelling, but we, we enjoy that. Yeah, this program is great for commuters and will really spice up a dreaded and dreary drive time. And we talk about, Steve, this the seed just bouncing. Who knows where it's going to land? And we never put it on Yelp, but somehow this person, just think about the role they're playing to encourage people in their network to, to listen to this program. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, okay. So we'll shift from, uh, that, that was lighthearted, but it was also very, very meaty. You yes. Know, that what he was saying, a lot of uh, meat and substance. Now, this is uh, about the World Prayer Team, which we love to talk about. And Lindsay in Baltimore, Maryland, wrote this to us. I joined the World Prayer Team recently. I know I will probably not have the opportunity to visit most of these places, but I want to help in some way to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ and reach out to people in need. It feels good to be part of a team of people all over the world praying for others. Although my initial motivation was to help, I find that I'm helped in return. Amen. Being a part of this team allows me to take some of the focus from myself and place it on others. It reminds me what being a Christian believer is all about. It helps me make time that I might not otherwise have made. It adds purpose to my life, and I feel that I'm pleasing the Lord, something I long to do more consistently. I thank the Lord for providing this opportunity to change my life. Hmm. Wow. Lindsay, that's such an encouragement to me personally, because I know that the tendency when we pray, unless we have the perspective of missions and being involved in the body of Christ, tends to be very self-centered. It's either Mm -hmm. ourselves or our immediate family, our needs, all of that stuff. And there is a world that the Lord cares about as well, and we should by extension. And so thank you for that. That's an encouragement and an important reminder for all of us. Well, and ironically, and I would even say supernaturally, the Lord takes that natural focus we have on ourselves. We focus on others, and he blesses us yes. for that. And that that is so much in the character of God that when we, we do that thing which is healthy for us, he actually ends up blessing us yes. in return. And that's such a common theme in our World Prayer Team members. And if you haven't joined yet, Steve, how do you do that? You simply go to our website, ttb.org forward slash pray, sign up, and you will get a daily email Monday through Friday that'll revolutionize the way you go through your inbox. And it's just, it's quick. It's a quick story. You get a quick uh, uh, quick way and prompt to pray, and you can pray and then move on with your day. It, again, helps you take your focus off of yourself and see the way the Holy Spirit is moving around the world and how we're praying that God would continue to bless around the world. Yes, and and I can tell you, Steve's my friend. We work together. We hang out together. He really believes in this. I, I do too, by the way. Good, because it was your idea <laughs> was originally. Idea. Yeah, so why don't you share this next yeah, letter? This is Tim in Dallas who writes, I've listened to TTB for a long time, since 2014 when you first showed me how to get the program, always on the radio and now also on app and online. Thank you for that plug. Tim on the app and online. I've listened for years, but today I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I asked him to forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. Since I didn't know how to pray, I just wrote God a letter, and I didn't know where to mail it, so I put it in my Bible. I feel a strange calm in my soul right now just to know all is well between me and God, and it's because of Jesus. For God so loved Tim, you know. You're going to have to kick me off the Bible bus. I'm riding it all the way to heaven. See you there. 
Steve always asked us to tell our story. My real life story begins today. Wow. And that letter actually came uh, from a direct relationship, the friendship that one of our team members had with this wow. brother. He is now in heaven. And mm. uh, it, it's a great story. And I'll tell you what, if if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you'll get to hear that story, the rest of the story in heaven. Yeah. And it is an amazing story. Uh, okay. I think we have time to hear from Jenny in Missouri. She writes this, I've been on the Bible bus for 12 years and I've learned so much from Dr. McGee. I travel frequently and like many people, I've begun taking Uber. I usually make friendly conversation with the drivers, but in my last few trips, the Lord has put it on my heart to ask their thoughts about him. As you can imagine, I've gotten some very interesting answers from all religions are the same to no one can really know God. Hmm. During those moments, I've remembered how Dr. McGee says Christianity is not a religion, but a person. So I talk to them about Jesus. Since my time is limited, I tell them how I've been helped to know Jesus through listening to your programs and tell them to Google the Bible bus. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. She goes on. I pray for each of them still and hope they are listening. I'm so glad your programs are available in many languages and different media. I am including some gas money to keep the Bible bus moving through our next study. I think I also need some of those new Bible bus passes. Thank you all. Well, Jenny, thank you for that. And yes, you can always have a 10-pack of those Bible bus listen passes and just hand them to your Uber driver as you're leaving after you've had that great conversation about Jesus. Greg, let me pray for us as we begin our study. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the incredible ways that you are choosing to make your name known among people around the world, people who need the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would continue to bless the ministry as it goes out. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's the Sunday Sermon with Dr. J. Vernon McGee on Through the Bible. Our subject this evening is endorsing a bad note, and I suppose that that's the experience of a great many folk, that you somewhere in your life was asked to sign a note for someone, and you ended up by having to pay the note. I went to work as a very young man, about 16 years of age, in a bank. And when I was 18, I was at a paying and receiving window. And a friend of mine, we were taking in for a broker, his, uh, receiving his deposits, and we were watching the stock market where he invested his money. So uh, he and I decided that we would put in $100. Each one put in 50 The thing of it is, this fellow asked me, if I would sign the note so he could get the 50, and I did. We did not make anything. I don't know what happened to the stock market, but we lost everything, and the whole $100, and I had to pay that 50. Therefore, our text tonight has very personal meaning for me. Will you notice Proverbs 11:15? for we have a text tonight. He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. doesn't mean he's, he'll be smart. It means that he'll really suffer for it. And he that hateth suretyship is sure. If you don't go on a note, you won't ever have to pay one. You can be sure of that. And so this proverb is a good proverb for business, if you please. A very prominent jeweler in Dallas, Texas, years ago, by the name of Mr. Arthur A. Everett, and anyone that is familiar with Dallas 
Is it familiar with the average jewelry company? It was one of the, I suppose, largest establishments of this kind in that section of the country. He was a very fine Christian layman. I knew him for many years. In fact, he helped me get my wife's wedding ring and engagement ring, and he was very kind and considerate in those days of depression to let you pay for it on time. And in a few more payments, we're going to have it paid for, by the way. (laughs) But he was a very gracious layman. And one of the ministries, for he had many unique ministries, was to have printed the book of Proverbs. He had the American Bible Society print him up a special edition of the book of Proverbs. He had a gold cover. That is very appropriate, I thought, for a jeweler. But he put a gold cover around the book of Proverbs, made it very attractive, had it published for the thousands, and he made a point to give it out to young men. He would arrange all over the Southwest to go to YMCA's, and that was in the day when you could get into the YMCA with the spiritual message, and he would go in and talk to the men and then present to each fella a copy of the book of Proverbs. He had in it the plan of salvation at the end. He had at the beginning of it certain Proverbs that they were to you. And as a result, many men, in fact, a businessman in Dallas, Texas, told me this past fall, he said, you know, I read the book of Proverbs once every month. When I was a young man and came to this section, Mr. Everett put into my hand a copy of the book of Proverbs and suggested that I read it every month. He said every young man ought to read the book of Proverbs every month. He made it a practice in his business to do that. And this man says, I have done it, and I have never done anything that has been as profitable to my life, especially when you see the great spiritual messages that are in this book. Now, it is a book that I think is in particular for young men. It's a good book for young men to read because it will give to him advice in three important fields. First, where he's to go to school. Second, how to be successful in business. And third, who is to marry. And you can't get, may I say, better advice than in these three different fields. Where to go to school, how to be successful in business, and who you are to marry. Well, may I say to you that this is a book that's invaluable for young men, and I'm sure it would be invaluable to any of us. It was written, as we have seen, by Solomon. And Solomon is the voice of experience. When we get to the next book, the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to see that this man probably tasted every pleasure and everything that this life has to offer. I do not believe that Solomon missed anything. And I do not believe that anyone today is having an experience that this man Solomon did not have. And so when he writes, either in this book or in the book of Ecclesiastes, he is the voice of experience. And every proverb is a little nugget of gold. It's invaluable. It's a truth that is couched in short, pithy language. And someone has said that proverbs 
are short sentences drawn from long experience, that they are sententious sentences, if you please. We have one, great oaks from little acorns grow. That's a proverb. Or you can turn it around, great aches from little tocorns grow. It's good either way that you want to have it. And since I've been giving out proverbs like this, I've been getting in the mail the most unusual assortment of proverbs you've ever seen. Somebody just put this in an envelope, and that's all I've gotten. It says, Samson ended a war with a jawbone of an ass, and that's the way we start them. There are many proverbs. I do not, by the way, feel that this one that I've just given you is an inspired proverb, by the way, although it's from the Bible. There are proverbs we believe for every individual. Every individual you know, there's one for you. There's a proverb for every situation in life. I wonder if you just noticed the thing that we're talking about, and it may help some of you that are reading. I turn over to Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Do you know anybody that that fits? Well, Solomon had a son by the name of Rehoboam that he asked the old man, the wise man of the kingdom for advice, but he didn't follow it. He followed his own. He's an illustration of this proverb here. Then we have today, I think, a very good proverb for the present hour, a day when there is so much of covetousness, when every man seems to be after the dollar today, and there seems to be the measure of a man is the dollar mark. In fact, ethics today is based on not how you get it, but whether you get it or not. That seems to be the ethics of the hour in which we live. And it's well to note Proverbs 23, 5, it fits the present hour. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Has that been your experience? How many folks? have put away savings. A man told me that 20 years ago, I put away savings for my old age. And he says, no robber broke into the bank and stole that. It's still there. But he says, actually, 60% of it's gone. Took itself wings, the wings of inflation, and it flew right away. It's gone. It disappeared. He said, I put it where I thought it would be safe. It was not safe at all. And then, the, if you just turn over the next page where we are here, to Proverbs 9, 8. Here is one that fits a certain individual I, that I really felt sorry for. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he'll love thee. That's the reporter. You remember that uh, uh, music critic that wrote up the concert of Margaret Truman when she was Margaret Truman? Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. And that poor reporter really had to take a beating, didn't he? May I say that they're proverbs that fit every individual and every situation in life. Now, the proverb that's before us tonight contains a great truth. It's a proverb that might profitably be put in the lobby of every bank in the country. Maybe the Bank of America would like to put this in there. Uh, in their lobby. It would be a good one. 
But may I say that the advice it's giving to man is this, do not go on the note of another, especially a stranger, a man you don't know very well. You will have to smart for it. You will have to pay. You will have to suffer for it. How many men today that could tell a story, not just of $50 that I lost as a boy, which didn't mount to too much, it did then, but certainly I think I've recovered from that. But how many men today have actually lost fortune because they went on the note of another? They did the thing that this proverb warns us against, of going on a note, of being surety for someone else especially somebody we do not know too well. Now, the book of Proverbs does not contain commandments. This is not a commandment. God doesn't say that it's wrong if you do that. He doesn't say that this is something that he forbids at all, because you will find that there's some good things that God does not command. You will find out there's some bad things that God does not forbid. You will find in his word that there are many phases and areas of life that he does not cover at all. Now, the very thing that God here is warning us of and telling men not to do, may I say to you tonight, and I say it reverently, he himself has done it. He did this. He was surety for a stranger, and he smarted for it. He went on the note of somebody else, and he had to pay it, and he paid it all. Listen to Paul. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might become rich. He went on your note. And it's when we were strangers, if you please, when we were away from God, when we were enemies of God, it was then that he went on our note. He signed, and though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we might be rich. And as the Scripture says, he restored what he took not away. He went on our note when we couldn't pay, when we owed God everything. We had sinned against heaven, and we owed him we owed him righteousness, and we had nothing to pay. The Lord Jesus Christ came forward. He did something that's bad business. Any businessman will tell you it's bad business to imagine to go on a stranger's note. And when we were strangers and foreigners, dead in trespasses and sin, enemies and alienated from God, it was at that time that he signed with his own precious blood a note for you and me. He'd pay. Will you listen to the proverb, he that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it, and he that hateth suretyship is sure. He could have stayed in heaven. He didn't have to come to this earth and pay the price. Wasn't his debt, even when he was here, he said, who convicted me of sin. No one could convict him of sin. He says, the prince of this world cometh, he findeth nothing in me. He says, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it up again. I do this voluntarily. And he came down and gladly signed the note and paid the price, went to the cross. 
He went on our note, and I want to tell you it was a bad note. We couldn't pay. He did pay. He had to smart for it. He endured the cross, despising the shame. My beloved, I do not believe that God would ever have permitted sin to enter his universe until the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to come to this earth and die for the sins of the world. I see in Scripture, back yonder in the endless ages of eternity past, before anything that is created, I see God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in conference. And they want a creature they can love, and that creature in turn can love them, and he must be a creature that has a free moral agency. But that involves a creature that will go in rebellion against God. And if it doesn't involve that, then that creature does not have free moral agency. And it's this plan that's being worked out today that they decided upon, way back yonder. And in that plan and program, they said, this creature that we create will sin. What shall we do? And the son says, in the plan, I'll go forward. And I will sign the note. I'll pay the penalty. I'll make it possible for that creature to come back to me and be brought back into a right relationship. I'll pay it. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. We owe it all to him. That was a song, a new song we sang tonight. I do not know, Mr. Hewlin, whether you knew what we were going to talk about or not, but that's it. We owe all to Jesus because he paid it all for you and me. He went on our note. And when sin entered the human family, and as sinners we owed the penalty of sin, the soul that sinneth it shall die. And we were debtors to do the whole law and to measure up to God's standard. And then he was made sin for us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. And the translation that has been given by some is, it was exacted, and he became answerable. It was exacted, and he became answerable. There are two illustrations in the Bible that set before us this great truth tonight of the suretyship of our Savior, of the fact that he was a redeemer and came in and paid a price for your salvation and my salvation. One's in the Old Testament and the other's in the New Testament. Right now we're talking on the television program about the one in the Old Testament, the little book of Ruth. It tells the story out in love. You do not have the clink of silver on uh, the barrel head. That's not the redemption that's wrought out there. That's not the payment. It's not like that. It's a love story. We're going to see as we go along that this foreign girl, excluded, outsider, that though she has a lovely life and she's a lovely person, yet the law said to her, you cannot enter. A Moabite or an Ammonite cannot enter the congregation of the Lord. She shut out. The Lord shut her out. But you see, somebody loved her. We're going to find out that there was a man that the minute he saw her, he fell in love with her. And he loved her so much that he's willing to jeopardize 
everything that he possesses, in fact, his life for her. And he became, as the little book is going to tell us, a kinsman redeemer, the only example of a kinsman redeemer that's in the Bible. For you see, the Mosaic law had a very peculiar law, something we don't have today. And may I say that it reveals that our law today is really not as high as the Levitical law or the Mosaic law. For the very simple reason, law today has no heart in it whatsoever or mercy, but there was in God's law. And the law of the kinsman redeemers, one example, if a man through unfortunate and untoward circumstances, he lost all of his possessions, lost his property, he's had to mortgage his place, and then the mortgage was foreclosed and he was put off the place, and then his family couldn't, didn't even have enough to eat, and he had to go and sell himself into slavery. Now this poor fella, he's in a pitiful condition, and and may I say to you, in that day, it was sad and tragic indeed. Never could he rise from that place unless he had a kinsman redeemer. And the Mosaic law said that if there was a brother who was a wealthy man or an uncle or even a cousin or somebody distantly related that loved him, interested in him, that was willing to pay, he could come over. And though this man's in slavery, he could write out the check and the man would go free. He could pay off the mortgage on the place and the man would go free. And his place would be restored to him. May I say it'd be a wonderful thing to have a kinsman redeemer like that. And when this little widow came back from the land of Moab, shut out, if you please, and her former husband, her first husband, the, the man that's dead, he, if you please, had an estate, but he's lost. And this little girl's in danger herself of having to go into slavery. But somebody saw her and somebody loved her. And he went and paid the price to redeem the property. He paid the price in order that he might redeem her and make her his wife. I tell you, it cost Boaz something. Don't you forget it. It cost him something in that day to pay that kind of a price. It cost him something among his people in Bethlehem in order to redeem this little girl, in order to get her estate back. But he's willing to do it because he loved it. For I tell you, to endorse Ruth was to endorse a bad note. The law shut her out. She had nothing. But he paid. He's willing to pay because he loved it. You and I have a kinsman redeemer. And because he loves us, he signed our note. He paid the price of our redemption. He endorsed a bad note. May I say he seems to rejoice in it. He knew what he was doing. He said, when I signed it and paid the price, I knew what I was doing. I did it for you. I paid the price of your redemption. There is a story in the New Testament that illustrates the same truth. It's the story of a runaway slave this runaway slave was named Onesimus, which means unprofitable. That's the name of all of us tonight, unprofitable. We belong to his family, unprofitable to God, unprofitable servant. And so Onesimus was a slave of a man by the name of Philemon who lived in the city of Colossae. 
And one day he made a break for it. He saw an opportunity to run away. At this particular time in the Roman Empire of 120 millions of people, 60 million people were slaves. And Rome and the great cities became a place where these runaway slaves would come and bury themselves and absolutely be so covered up they'd never be discovered again. If they were, was an awful thing. If they were ever apprehended, many of them were put to death by all sorts of tortures. In fact, the tortures that were given to Christians later on came from the tortures that were given to runaway slaves. It wasn't a wise thing to run away unless you were sure you'd make a break and you'd get away with it. They were sometimes tarred. The tar was put around them, and they were put up and made into a torch. Christians were treated that way later on in the persecutions that began with Nero. And these slaves, they were afraid to leave, many of them. But this man Onesimus saw an opportunity, and he made a break, and he went to Rome. He knew he could bury himself there, and he got to Rome, and he said, for the first time I'm a free man. I can do as I please. But you know what's interesting? There is a, there is a freedom in slavery, and there is a slavery in freedom. He found out that when he got loose from his master, and he had no one to feed him, that he had to feed himself. He found out when his master no longer clothed him, he had to clothe himself. He found out that he had to make his own way. Now, he couldn't depend on anyone else. And he found out that when you began to touch the things of sin, they made you a slave. And he met men that were slaves to liquor. He met men that were slaves to sex. He met men that were slaves to all sorts of vicious appetites. And he found out in Rome that everybody was not free that was not a slave. One day going down the street, this man who though felt very snug and smug, he's away from his master, he'll never have to return. He sees a little crowd gathered on the sidewalk, and he doesn't want to miss anything. His time's his own. He's his own boss. He doesn't want to miss a show if that's what's going on. And so he goes to the crowd, and he elbows his way in. He gets up to the front row, and there's a strange sight. There's a little Jew there, crippled fellow, and he is chained to a big Roman soldier. And that little Jew's preaching. He's telling about a freedom that Christ offers. And as Onesimus listened, he found out something that a great many men today need to find out, that though he didn't have any chains on him outwardly, he was still a slave. And that little fellow there that's talking about if Christ makes you free, ye shall be free indeed, he found out though he's bound with chains, that fellow was free. That fellow was free as the bird. And that he had a liberty that he did not have. And when the crowd broke up after the message, Onesimus stuck around. He went over and talked to this man. And Paul the apostle led him to a saving knowledge of Christ. And Onesimus says, I've got an ugly lie. And I must tell you, brother Paul, about my life. I'm a slave. I'm not a free man. 
My master lives way over yonder at the other end of the Roman Empire in Colossae. Paul says, I know a lot of people in Colossae. What's the name of your master? He says, Philemon. Philemon? Philemon that lives on Hope Street? He says, yes, that's the Philemon. Paul says, you know, I led him to the Lord. I led him to the Lord. And you know, he owes me everything. Anathema. I'm going to send you back to your master. And Onesimus took the little letter of Philemon and went back. That's the most wonderful thing Paul ever wrote was that little letter of Philemon. Just a few little verses. Just a little pencil note, if you please. Oh, but what it reveals. Paul says to Philemon, I'm Paul the aged, and I'm writing to you about my son in the faith. You're my son also. I want to tell you about another son. His name is Onesimus. He's unprofitable, but he now will be profitable. I'm sending him back. If you'll read between the lines, Paul is saying to this man, this fellow has been trained to help a man personally. Apparently he was sort of a butler. And he could be a great help to me. And I would have kept him here in Rome. But without he belonged to you. Without your mind, he says, I'd do nothing. You know what I think happened? We don't have the second chapter, but I think Onesimus came back on the next boat to Rome to be with Paul. I think he was with him to his last days. Paul says, I wouldn't do anything without you. But now he says, look, I'm sending him back and I'm not sending him back a slave. He's no longer a slave. He's a brother, beloved. He's now redeemed, regenerated, and Christ has paid for his sins. And he's coming back profitable. Now listen. Paul says, if he oweth the ought, you put that on my account, I will pay. I do not know what Philemon would have done. He was a Christian to a runaway slave that returned. I don't think he would have treated him as other men would have. But he had a right in that day. According to Roman law, he could have beat him to death. He could have killed him. And the least thing that would ever have happened to a slave would have CF branded on them. Cave furum. Where the thief. He's known as that in the Roman Empire. Goes through life branded. Paul says, when this runaway slave comes back to you, I don't want you to receive him anymore as a runaway slave. I want you to receive him just as you'd receive Paul the Apostle. If he owes thee anything, put that on my account and listen, and receive him as you receive me. You remember... Philemon, when you came down to Ephesus, a pagan, and you came into the school of Tyrannus, and you heard the gospel, and you came to Christ, transform your life, and one of the things you said to me was, I'm a very wealthy man in Colossae, and Paul the Apostle, anything I got, yours. And any time you're up our way, I hope you'll come. I've got a guest room. I'd love for you to come and stay with me. And I'd love to treat you. I'd treat you royally. Paul says, Philemon, I won't be able to come. I'm in prison here. 
I'm in the Mamertine prison. I won't be able to come, but I'm sending Onesimus, and I want you to receive him just like you receive me. And if he owes you anything, put it on my account. I'll pay. I'll pay it, Paul says. Don't charge it to Onesimus. You want to beat him? Don't beat him, beat me. Wait till I get there if I ever come. May I say that's the most glorious picture we have in the Scripture, for it throws back the curtains of heaven and lets you look in at the Son of God tonight, and what he's saying is this. Do you see that sinner down here in Los Angeles? He's saying to the Father, you put his sins on my account. I paid. I paid. Put them on my account. I died for him 1,900 years ago. I paid the penalty. Put them on my account. And that's not all. He says, I want you to receive him just like you receive me, the Son of God. Listen, my friend. You have as much right in heaven tonight as the Son of God has, and I say this reverently, or you have no right there at all. You're either in Christ, and if you're in Christ, you're accepted in the beloved. You can't add to that. You can't add to that. And if you're not in him, you have nothing there. You can't pay. But he did pay. And he says tonight, if you'll come to me, it's all on my account. I paid it. And he says, You'll be received just like I'm received in Christ. Solomon said, if you're surety for a stranger, you're smart for it. He sure did, didn't he? He had to pay. He had to pay an awful price in order to go on your note, in order to pay the price of your redemption, in order to give you a standing up there. Shall we pray? With our heads bowed tonight, very briefly, I'm wondering if you're here tonight and you've, you've ever accepted this. I can't imagine Onesimus turning such a wonderful offer down, and he didn't. He took this letter right back to Philemon. And you have tonight the Word of God that will take you into the very presence of God in Christ by accepting and receiving Him as Savior. He paid it all for you. I wonder with our heads bowed tonight if you're here and you would accept this offer. You're a businessman. Don't you know a good business proposition when you see it? You know any better one than this one today? Do you know anybody that'll pay all of it for you? Do you know anybody that'll give you a standing in heaven? But he will. What an offer he makes to you tonight. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He takes you just as you are, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Did you hear Dr. McGee? We're either in Christ or we're out. He's paid our debt. It's on his account. 
If you'd like to know more about the sacrifice that Jesus made to clear our debts, then visit our website at ttb.org and click on How Can I Know God? Or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE and we'll send you a few free resources by mail. Again, that's 1-800-65-BIBLE or ttb.org. Now be sure to join me next week as we celebrate the birth of our Savior with Dr. McGee's message, Christmas in the Garden of Eden. As we go, I'm Steve Schwetz praying Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 to 6, that as you listen to God's word, that you're blessed when you arrive, when you leave, and all throughout the day. Join us each weekday for our five-year daily study through the whole Word of God. Check for times on this station or look for Through the Bible in your favorite podcast store and always at ttb.org.